Hi, welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Hines. And tonight, Lisa, we're going to be thinking about talking about creativity, which we left off with last time. And uh, it's an interesting topic because honestly, I don't think either one of us are really that creative. So I can't wait to let you start with <laughs> creativity and what it means in education and special education and what can we do to promote it? Well, so first of all, I am going to push back on that statement. I actually hold a couple of patents. I think I'm fairly creative, <laughs> but maybe, maybe not. Okay. But anyway, we'll go there later. So we'll start, we'll not make it all about us to start with, but I do want to go down that rabbit hole later and talk about my elementary report card. It'll be a good laugh for everybody. But anyway, I, I really start with thinking about creativity as not just having a, a skill, but actually sharpening that skill. And you know, I'm a big lover of Malcolm Gladwell's work about the tipping point that says, you know, once you got 10,000 hours of something, you are an expert. That's a long time. Uh, for those of you who are classroom teachers or those of you who are parents, it's several years into both of those tasks that you kind of reach that tipping point and get your skill set. If you're like me and only had one kid, you maybe never reach your tipping point. I'm not sure. Uh, you, you got to double whammy that. But what I think is interesting is, for all kids, we really give them lots of choice and let them pick and choose things. Whereas I think sometimes we want to harbor kids with disabilities to, they must choose this and they must choose that. And I think choice is important, but I think once a kid feels a spirit of creativity and motivation and engagement, we need to make sure that, that we help them focus in that area long enough to become that expert. And what Gladwell found in his research is, you know, the best violinist isn't the one who was the best in playing, it was the one who persevered. So I think creativity and perseverance really have to go together to kind of reach that pinnacle. That's kind of my beginning thoughts, but that's a little dry and boring. I'm sure you have something a little more exciting for us. <laughs> well, I don't know that I have anything uh, more exciting after you've scolded me, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, truth be told, of course, we're both creative in our own ways, Lisa. That's true. I was going to um, say, you're an extremely creative lady. Yeah, but it's funny because, you know, a lot of people think of creativity as, you know, they, they equate it really with artistic ability sometimes. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, and that I, I don't that have. We, <laughs> I think, well, that's what I was referring to. But I think we, um, you know, we limit our thinking about what creativity really is, and we limit it to you know, art or music and some of these traditional, um, traditionally creative fields. So you mentioned the idea of being creative um, in, in putting new things together to apply for a patent. Um, certainly, you know, we both have a lot of experience in doing it, things like that, taking existing things and making something new. And creativity also in the area of things like writing. But it's funny because I think when teachers try to teach something like creative writing, they assume every student understands and has the capacity to just conjure um, ideas to you know, put things together in a new and original way. And with my own kids and with students that I've taught in the past, I've found that that's just really not the, the case always. So I think when it comes to creativity, I think, you know, the first, the first step is to allow ourselves to give people the opportunity to explore creatively. Even from a really young age, we teach kids, you know, color inside the lines, which is the opposite, honestly, of, of creatively interpreting, you know, this image. I think the, the thing that 
when I think about creativity is to start thinking about stretching the bounds and teaching kids, you know, when, when to express themselves in this format versus this format and understanding that not all students have the same ability to creatively um, come up with something unique themselves. So sometimes you might put some interesting words or prompts over to the side if I was doing something like creative writing or a story starter to get them starter started but in the spirit of creativity you could use one of my story starters or you know you could come up with your own unique story and telling stories verbally and getting kids to think in a silly way there's lots of improv games that you can find online um you know the abc game where you tell a story with first person has to say a word with a the next person with a b the next person with c so all of these kinds of things just it starts with divergent thinking, I think. When I think of creativity, it's how do we encourage people to think divergently when in schools we've constantly been telling them that there's this one way to do everything and this is how it's done. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I, I think of what I think of creativity. <laughs> I go back to my own experience. You can only imagine the trauma I still receive of having that C on my elementary report card. And yes, my <laughs> friend, Dr. Hines, it was in art. <laughs> and it was justified. I think C was generous. Um, still today, that's not my skill set. Yet I highly value art and I value, and I think that's, that's the fine line of valuing creative skills in other people as well as finding your own niche of creativity, whatever that might be. And maybe it is putting things together. I, you know, again, I know the work you just did with UCP Live and launching that and this immediate move to online. I'd love to hear you talk about, you know, kind of how you created that. I mean, you're, you're famous for creating kind of this tornado of thoughts very quickly and rapidly and quick prototype. And that's your gift. And I think you've learned to let, be known for that. And I think that's true for people with disabilities, whether it's, and I always think about, you know, the different types of intelligence, whether it's musical, I think the one we miss the most for a lot of kids, kids who are naturalists, the kids who like animals you know one of my students was in love with cockroaches that that's a skill set because personally i didn't see a lot of value in cockroaches but again that student saw value in a bug in dirt in planting and and i think as parents and as teachers we need to make sure that what we love isn't what we expect students to love and we do know that that creating your own thinking or creativity is the job skill of the future so nurturing that ability to think outside the box is really important. And maybe letter grades, that's why I brought up the C, aren't the best way to say that. Because I probably had some skills in something, I'm not sure what in the art world. Um, but I do think that it made me quickly say, I'm not an artist. And I do believe a mindset goes with that. If I believe I'm something, then probably I can go into a direction then maybe I'm not the best singer, but if I sing with, with great confidence on stage, people will listen. I may not be the funniest person, but if I stand on stage with confidence. So I think it's both that mindset, thinking about the different intelligence and really building that creative thinking that, that really takes everyone to the next level in all jobs. But I think we often diminish that in kids with disabilities. I think, I think that we diminish that with kids of all abilities really um, today in schools. I, I, don't, I don't know why, and of course it's not all of us and it's not every class and it's not every teacher. I, I do think that we've come to think of things that, are, that have a creative bent as you know, being those extra things or you know, we don't have time to do something fun, et cetera. We don't 
um, value as much as we could sometimes um, the importance of that that type of thought, that type of divergent and creative thought. Um, you know, I was <clears throat> looking at an article, I was reading an article in Psychology Today, and they, they referenced something from the Journal of Autism and Developmental Disorders um, about autism and creativity. And they found um, a strong link between creativity and autism. But uh, apparently what they found was that uh, people with autism didn't actually, when presented with something like a paperclip, you know, and asked to think of how many ways they could use that paperclip. Well, they didn't actually come up with as many ways as the typical person did, but the things that they came up with were far more unusual. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is that unusual thought that gets us to the next level. So if we think about that, even as, again, parents, teachers, anyone who's trying to promote some creative thought, it really does sometimes start with picking up something and say, huh, let's, let's see how many ways we can think of to use this one thing. And even that really is creative thought. Yeah, and I know going back to what we've talked about in past podcasts, but it's it's kind of you and I's go-to is is choice boards and project-based learning. I mean, there's no way you can't create your own thinking when you open up the options and say, you know what, here's nine choices. And and again, I would be thinking about which one of those are you the weakest in. As a parent, you know, I had to think about art and music, not because I don't value them. I just don't have, that's not my strengths. And so how do I make sure I'm not diminishing that in my children, in my students, in, in my community opportunities um, for field trips? And so consciously being aware of maybe your weaknesses, being sure you're giving kids choice and opportunity in those areas, I think are important. And again, I think creativity and expression go together. We need to make sure kids have a voice to express whatever it might be. And in some cases, we may not always appreciate their expressions, but I think that's part of being, especially the teenager. Uh, we happened to be at the beach this weekend and there's been a lot of expression of things I'm a little confused by. <laughs> but I look at it and think, but you know what? That has meaning to that person and they should be able to create their own world. And especially in this time, that's a little more turmoil, turmoil than we might normally see. So I do think creativity and expressing who you are should really kind of go together. You know, you, you mentioned that idea of, of choice. and <laughs> We always talk about choice. And I think, you know, if we wanted to frame that in some, some really traditional, um, now traditional thinking in education, I, I would really bring that back to the whole universal design for learning um, a piece of, you know, what we're doing in our classroom. Because the other side of creativity for me personally is when, you know, that I really actually don't like is when my my children, my own personal children are given an assignment and then they, they do their best on it, but they're not good artists. And then they get points off for their creativity or their drawing or their, and I'm like, why couldn't you give my kid another option? If you tell him to draw a poster, which incidentally, I don't know why high school teachers would ever ask my, you know, young adult children is their only option to draw something on a poster, but to continually get points off because what they drew wasn't good enough or creative enough. So I think that sometimes in an effort to give kids a chance to be creative, um, we sometimes don't take the UDL approach and give them also an alternative if that's not their natural, you know, bent, especially by the secondary level, just like you, I honestly, I got to see, I got to see in ceramics in high school. It, it was, it brought my GPA down. I couldn't help it. 
I tried. I don't know how I was supposed to learn to be better at ceramics. I made ugly things. I couldn't help it. So, you know, but and yet I had to take, the, you know, I had to take an art class and I knew I was just going to fail miserably at any of them. So I do think that, um, you know, the other side of it is, you know, the choice part really does, it really does matter. And, and we frame it in universal design for learning. I do think kids, you know, should always be given exposure to different ways of thinking about things, but options ultimately, you know, in how they express, in how they express it. Um, I, I, I would say one, one other thought about the creativity piece is, if, if you're looking to promote creativity, every classroom could easily have, you know, a, a, a creator space. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, maker spaces, et cetera, but we should definitely have creator spaces in our classroom where kids could go and create and tinker. So whether we make it technology-based or art-based or whatever, all of these pieces together, definitely one layer, I think every classroom should have moving forward is that space to create. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up with this thought. We do love art teachers, okay? We may not be we may not have had great grades, but we do we love art teachers. PE music, we think you are the backbone of actually building academic skills. And my go-to is always, you know, when you make that makerspace, consult the speech therapist, the PT, the OT, the PE teacher, the music. What could be in my space in your discipline so that it isn't a makerspace of me as a math teacher, a science teacher, a reading teacher, and art? Because we know what we know. And I think it's when these disciplines come together, we can be more creative in what kids do. So uh, we're excited you could join us for this session on practical access. And again, I have to say it one more time. We love you, art teachers. Uh, and uh, we look forward to you posting on Twitter any questions you have at Access Practical.